Hello, my dear listeners. You've once again found your way to Counter Melody, and I, Daniel Gundlach, as your host, am here to present to you the greatest singers who will illuminate our path with their song, guiding us to a brighter day. This week's episode. Hi there. I'm not Daniel Gundlach, but I am Paul Kirby, and I'm a great fan of the Counter Melody podcast. And today, I get to introduce one of my favorite episodes from the first season. This is the episode of Counter Melody featuring great baritones singing the music of Charles Ives. And it's a wonderful visit with a composer that, to my way of thinking, is a great way of understanding music in the modern age. And this episode that Daniel has put together is absolute luxury casting. Several of these featured singers are or were personally known to me, and the opportunity to hear them in one place is something I find a beautiful and moving experience. Charles Ives, what shall we make of Charles Ives. Uncle Charlie, I like to call him. One hot summer's day in 1987, I was teaching at the Boston University Tanglewood Institute, or B-U-T-I, which is the high school program affiliated with the Tanglewood Music Center. And we were guiding our young singers, our students, through Ives' funny, strange, and lively choral version of his piece, The Circus Band. And At that time, I was in my early 20s, and I was in the middle of a series of emotional scrapes. I was trying to find my place in a musical world and navigating through a series of relationship accidents, which were plaguing my early 20s. And in the middle of singing the circus band, I got a message out of the blue, as if from the composer himself, who was speaking directly to me, saying, hey, this is the end of the 20th century. Don't try to understand everything. Ives' beautiful, demanding, enigmatic, picturesque music really freed me in that moment from this dark tunnel of overthinking and of perpetually seeking solace from the music of the past, which was starting to become kind of an emotional baby food for me. It's modern, but in another way, Ives' music is not just modern, but it's modern using musical building blocks of his yesterday. And in a way, it shows us how to reorganize our thinking and guide us into the modern age. I think you'll love this episode. It's full of the atmosphere of Ives' time, his place in the musical world, and also, geographically speaking, in New England. The singing is great. The interpretations are spot on. This is the Ives we love. I also want to take a moment to say a word about countermelody itself and how it's unique and distinctive. There's nothing like it. Daniel's incredible knowledge of singers and singing and his vast collection of recordings and knowing where to find them makes this podcast invaluable. 
See, it's not only getting a chance to hear great singing, but as every year goes by, and we get farther and farther away from the traditions of singing that form the basis itself of good singing, we lose, as a culture, the physical memory of what good singing is. I need, we need countermelody to keep reminding us of what good singing truly sounds like. Thank you, Paul, for that wonderful intro. Now I'd like to pay just a little tribute to the wonderful Paul Kirby. If it hadn't been for Paul, Counter Melody might not ever have seen the light of day. I had been fishing around for something meaningful to do with my life after I had decided that I wasn't going to continue performing music live. I'd been really having a hard time of it my first few years in Germany, and Paul was such a wonderful, supportive friend, and he encouraged me to think of possibilities for myself that I had merely put on the back burner. And when the time came for me to put my money where my mouth was and get that podcast out there, he was right there in the front row of my cheering section. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Paul. And since we're on the subject of Paul Kirby, let me just say that he is a musical polymath, a superb tenor who performs not only as a soloist, but also as a valued member in various small vocal ensembles. He's also an astounding banjo player and bluegrass singer. I remember during the lockdown, he did an in-house concert on various kinds of Americana that he live-streamed. It was just so wonderful. I guess that's another reason it's appropriate that he should choose such an American subject as Charles Ives. Paul's also worked in various capacities as a music administrator for some big concerns. And he is also a fantastic vocal and choral clinician and a superb voice teacher. He's also lately been working as a member of a Norwegian organization called Stemme Specialisten. He often posts videos on Instagram talking real common sense about vocal technique, methods of relaxation, how singers can take better care of themselves, all different aspects of being a good singer and musician, both of which things he is in profusion. So thank you, Paul, and here we go with the last listener's favorite episode for January. And by the way, for those who might be interested in exploring any of these singers further, since this was originally published, it was actually in season two, not season one. But honestly, who cares? Anyway, in the time since this episode was first published, I've done full episodes on both Will Parker and on Donald Graham, and they are artists so worth exploring. So without any further ado, here are Charles Ives and his bevy of baritonal beauties. Hello, my dear.
dear listeners, and welcome to Counter Melody. It is I, your host, Daniel Gundlach. And as always, I'm committed to bringing you the voices of beloved singers, often focusing on unexpected facets of their artistry. You will also be hearing less celebrated but equally treasurable artists who deserve our attention and respect. I'm honored to have you join me on this ongoing mutual journey of discovery. And now, without any further ado, let's get down to today's business. Great singers and great singing. Good morning and happy 4th of July. This is not the episode that I have been planning, but it's the episode that you're going to get. I have a freelance job breathing down my neck, and it is going to require my complete and utter concentration until next Monday. Instead of resuscitating a bonus episode and presenting it to the general public, I'm simply going to bring you a group of Charles Ives songs, sung by nine different great baritones, and bass baritones, with one interloper sneaking in at the very end. I'm not big on Americana. I'm completely aware of the flaws of the country in which I was born. But there are many things that, as an expat, that I dearly miss. Certainly this celebration is one of them. For that reason, I thought, what better thing to offer my listeners today? than the songs of Charles Ives, who drew upon that great American musical tradition and often juxtaposed things in the most discombobulating way. He lived and worked in near obscurity, 
working primarily as an insurance salesman and composing in his off time through the interventions of such musicians as Henry Cowell, whom I discussed on the Evelyn Lear episode. He gradually became known to the public and at the time of his death was just beginning to receive a bit more recognition. One of his most fascinating publications is a book of songs called 114 Songs. They cover the widest possible range of different kinds of music, from parlor songs to refashionings of gospel tunes to meditative musings on the profoundest thoughts to settings by great American poets, even to some settings of foreign texts. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking today. I'm just going to introduce the singers and then the songs. That was Thomas Stewart that we began with a couple weeks ago. I featured him on an episode that starred his beloved wife, Evelyn Lear. In 1971, the two of them did an album of Charles Ives' songs with Ellen Mandel, the pianist. On the Evelyn Lear episode, I featured her singing Tom Sails Away, but I didn't feature any of his selections from that record. Now I'm going to offer you four different things. The first thing that we heard was the song The Things Our Fathers Loved, set to a text by Charles Ives himself. The other songs that we will hear from Thomas Stewart are Thoreau, set to a text by Charles Ives himself, In Flanders Field, and Autumn, set to a poem by his wife Harmony. Thoreau, he grew in those seasons like corn in the night, wrapped in revelry on the Walden shore, amidst the sumac, pines, and hickories in undisturbed solitude. The song In Flanders Fields is a commemoration of all of the fallen in World War I. It's not an anti-war text, which troubles me a little bit, but I prefer to simply focus on these lines. In Flanders Fields the poppies blow between the crosses, row on row that mark our place, and in the sky the larks, still bravely singing, fly, scarce heard amidst the guns below. 
We are the dead. Short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, lived and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders fields. In Flanders fields the poppies blow Between the crosses row on row That mark a place And in the sky the larks still bravely singing fly The final selection from Thomas Stewart is the setting of the poem Autumn by Ives's wife Harmony. Earth rests, her work is done, her fields lie bare, and ere the night of winter comes to hush her song and close her tired eyes, she turns her face for the sun to smile upon, and radiantly, radiantly, through fall's bright glow, he smiles and brings the peace of God. is 
There is simply no more distinguished interpreter of American song than the baritone William Sharp. Concert and opera-going audiences have been blessed with his artistry for more than 40 years, and as such has created many new works. He is also a distinguished singer of Baroque music, including Bach. Just this morning, I heard an exquisite performance of his this past February, singing Bach as beautifully as ever. About two decades ago, there was a project to record all of the songs of Charles Ives. There were four singers involved in this undertaking, with William Sharp holding up the low-voiced male end of the spectrum. He was accompanied, as he has been so often in his career, by the marvelous Stephen Blyer, who, again, has done so much to bring art and popular song to the concert-going audience through his organization, the New York Festival of Song. We're going to hear four songs with William Sharp and Stephen Blyer. The first, From Lincoln, the Great Commoner. The second, August. The third, My Native Land. And the fourth, The Innate. The text for the first song is from a larger poem by Edwin Markham. And so he came from the prairie Thank you. 
The text for August is by Dante Gabriel Rossetti after a poem by Folgore da San Gimignano. For August, be your dwelling thirty towers within an alpine valley mountainous, where never the sea wind may vex your house. The next song is a setting by Charles Ives himself of a poem called My Native Land. It's based on an original German text by Heinrich Heine. And I must confess that it speaks particularly to me, who has now been absent from the land of his birth for so many years. Still let me 
Finally, from Messrs. Sharp and Blyer, The Innate. This text is, once again, by Charles Ives himself. Come to him without the things the world brings. Come to him as a child and as a poor man. Surely Sam Raimi needs no introduction to my listeners. In the early 1990s, he and his long-standing accompanist Warren Jones recorded an album of Copland and Ives songs, from which we're going to hear four different selections. A Night Song, In the Alley, An Old Flame, and Slow March. The first song, A Night Song, is set to a text by the Irish folklorist Thomas Moore. Tis never too late for delight, and the best of all ways to lengthen days is to steal a few hours from the night. composed to a text by Ives himself. It tells a story of either innocence betrayed or presumption thwarted, depending on your perspective. On my way to work one summer day, just off the main highway. 
smiled, alas, her name was Sally. Oh, could it be, oh, could it be she smiled on me all that day before my eyes amidst the busy whirl came the image of that lovely Irish girl. And hopes would seem to rise as the clouds rise in the skies when I thought of her and those beaming eyes. So that evening, dressed up smart and neat, I wandered down her street. At the corner of the Another man with Sally and my eyes grew dim. She smiles on him, and only on An Old Flame is another sentimental ballad set to a text by Ives himself. May God above thee bless thee evermore. Often Ives would create songs for members of his family based on family incidents and specific situations in his family. One such is Slow March.
The text was composed by his father, Lyman Brewster Ives, and other Ives family members. Now we shall hear the late, great American baritone Sanford Sylvan in a group of Ives songs which he recorded in the year 2000. This man was a paragon dedicated to his craft, his art, to conveying the text, to portraying character, and later in his career to his students as well. His sudden and unexpected death was a great blow to those who knew him and loved him. I'm offering four songs by Sandy Sylvan today, accompanied by the pianist Alan Feinberg. The Rainbow, Premonitions, Luck and Work, and Evening. The text to The Rainbow is adapted from William Wordsworth. So is it now I am a man So be it when I shall grow old Or let me die Premonitions is set to a text by Robert Underwood Johnson. There's a shadow on the grass that was never there before. 
and the ripples as they pass whisper of an unseen oar and the song we knew by rote seems to falter in the throat a footfall scarcely noted lingers near the open an aphoristic song set to a text again by Robert Underwood Johnson. While one will search the season over to find the magic four-leaved clover The song Evening is set to a text by John Milton. Now came still evening on, and twilight grey had in her sober livery all things clad, silence accompanied for the beast and bird, all but the wakeful nightingale. She all night long her amorous descant sung, silence is pleased. Now we shall hear the Canadian baritone Gerald Finley with his pianist Julius Drake in two settings of German texts, familiar German texts, in which Ives meets and in some way surpasses the more famous settings by the German composers. The first is Feld Einsamkeit, set to a text by Hermann Almers. It's interesting to compare this setting with the more famous one by Johannes Brahms. 
the poet lies in the grass and imagines what it would be like to be floating with the clouds through all eternity. The Feldeinsamkeit is hardly a distinguished text, but Ich grolle nicht is by Heinrich Heine, and it simply doesn't get more distinguished than that. Schumann's setting of the song occupies a central place in his Dichterliebe song cycle. Ives taps into a completely different meaning than Schumann conveys in his setting of this text. Schumann's poet is so much more consumed with rage at the one who has betrayed him, but Ives is much more philosophical and, dare one even say, perhaps compassionate?
aufstrahlst in Diamantenpracht. Es fällt kein Strahl in deines Herzens Nacht, in Herzens Nacht. Das weiß ich längst, das weiß ich. Before we take a little break, I have a single song only by my friends Kurt Ullmann and Mary Dibbern. This is a performance of The Housatonic at Stockbridge, set to a text by Robert Underwood Johnson. Contented river, in thy dreamy realm, the cloudy willow and the plumy elm, thou beautiful. Wouldst thou away, dear stream? Come, whisper near, I also of much resting have a fear. Let me tomorrow thy companion be, by fall and shallow, to the adventurous sea.
something different for you. The German singer Theo Blackmann did an album of arrangements for small jazz ensemble of songs by Charles Ives. He's accompanied here by the ensemble known as Kneebody. This is a portion of his performance of the song called here In the Morning, known better to us as the spiritual Give Me Jesus. The cradle and the For those of you who enjoy my podcasts, I invite you to consider becoming a supporter on Patreon. Please go to patreon.com slash countermelody, where you can make a monthly pledge for any amount from $2 on up and gain access to all the bonus episodes that I have thus far posted. And frankly, what better time to support the podcast than as I approach my 100th episode It's been a while since I've done a bonus episode, and yet this week, listening to Charles Ives, I found so many beautiful performances by women singers as well, including Roberta Alexander, Jan Dikitani, Helen Boatwright, and Marnie Nixon. And if I can get my together, I will put together a bonus episode with those singers for you within the next 10 days. And now, back to the program. I have two more singers to offer you today, both late, great, departed gay men. The first is William Parker, who, to my mind, had one of the most exquisite baritone voices that I've 
ever heard. He did a lot of work with Dalton Baldwin, and on one recording of American Song that he made, Dalton Baldwin is his accompanist. On that recording, there are some absolutely exquisite performances of songs by Charles Ives. I'm going to offer you four of them. The first two are reimaginings of gospel hymns. The first is the very familiar At the River. The second is, again, a reimagining of a hymn, this one, Watchmen. Watchmen tell us of the night, what its signs of promise are. Traveler, o'er yon mountain's height, see that glory-beaming star. Watchmen, aught of joy or hope? Traveler, yes, it brings the day, promised day of Israel. Dost thou see its beauteous ray? Traveler, see. Earlier, we heard two German settings by Charles Ives. Now we're going to hear one of his few settings of French. Chanson du Florian, based on a text by Jean-Pierre Clary du Florian. This text has a very famous setting called C'est mon ami. Ives' setting makes a wonderful contrast to that one. Oh. 
The final song by Bill Parker and Dalton Baldwin is a performance of the song The Camp Meeting. The first part of the text is by Ives himself. Across the summer meadows fair there comes a song of fervent prayer. It rises radiantly o'er the world, exulting in the power of God, exalting faith in life above, but humbly yielding to his love. There follows memorably and exquisitely the words and tune of the familiar hymn, Just As I Am, Without One Plea.
Now we have the great Donald Graham to finish off the program. I don't hesitate to call Donald Graham one of the greatest singers that the United States has ever produced. He was a marvelous opera singer, and perhaps even more importantly, he was an exquisite interpreter of American art song. Like me, he was a native of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and unlike me, he died prematurely of a heart attack in 1983 at the age of only 56. In looking for performances of Donald Graham singing Charles Ives, I came upon a marvelous clip of a television show in which Aaron Copeland introduces Donald Graham and the pianist and composer Richard Cumming. There's nothing better that I could do than to simply allow the entire sequence to play out. The three songs are Two Little Flowers, Serenity, and Charlie Rutledge. Donald Graham, with Richard Cumming at the piano, is going to sing three songs by Ives. I want you to hear first a simple song called Two Little Flowers. It has a vocal line that's very straightforward in four-quarter time, against which the piano provides a background in 7-8 rhythm. On sunny days in our backyard, two little flowers are seen. One dressed at times in brightest pink and one in green. The marigold is radiant, the rose passing fair. The violet is ever dear, the orchid there's loveliness in wildflowers afield, or oh, white savannah, but the fairest, rarest of them all are Edith and Serenity has a vocal line that hovers between just a few notes following the natural speech rhythm of Whittier's poem in a very subtle and touching way. It's a truly inspired song. I use that word rarely, but I can use it in relation to serenity. Take from our soul 
calls it the strain and stress and let our ordered lives confess the beauty of thy peace. Charlie Rutledge is a cowboy song about Charlie the cowpuncher who met an unhappy fate while on the roundup. Ives begins with a folksy and tongue-in-cheek treatment, but moves on to a musically realistic tone painting, which is absolutely brilliant, of Charlie falling off his horse. It's a strange Ivesian brew of realism, developing a mood that is somehow larger than a mere cowboy song. performances from a 1976 town hall recital with Donald Graham accompanied by the pianist Donald Hazard. They are the aphoristic The Sideshow, which was based on a popular song of the time, and which wonderfully reveals Ives's droll sense of humor. Is that Mr. Riley who keeps the hotel? Is the tune that accompanies the trotting track bell? An old horse on sound turns the merry-go-round, making poor Mr. Riley. 
Now, more substantially, set to a poem by Vachel Lindsay. This is General Booth Enters into Heaven. This is surely one of Ives's most significant contributions to the song literature. Booth led boldly with his big bass drum. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Of the Lamb!
Thank you for joining me today for this traversal of the songs of Charles Ives. I'll be back next week with some sort of program for you guys. I haven't yet decided. Please hold tight for that promised episode on expat American baritones. It's on its way to you, but it may not happen for a couple weeks. For the final song today, I'd like to introduce a tenor interloper amongst all those low-voiced males a man who I was proud to call a friend and who has now, as of this month, already been gone for 14 years. Jerry Hadley was one of the greats. I'll simply allow him to introduce the song himself. It's wonderful to hear his speaking voice as well as his singing voice in this performance of The Circus Band, once again set to a text by Charles Ives himself. In addition to Jerry, we hear another dear friend of mine, Craig Rutenberg, on the piano. It would take over half a century for America to discover what an amazing, original, and tough composer it had in Charles Ives. An insurance salesman by day, Ives wrote his music at night and on weekends, creating well over a hundred songs and four symphonies. Leonard Bernstein called him our Lincoln, our Edison of music. And indeed, Ives was both emancipator and inventor. He freed American music from its European bonds, and he found new ways to hear, write, and think about music. Ives put on paper all of the sounds that were fermenting around him. For example, in this next song, he shows us all the excitement and color of the annual visit of the circus to his hometown of Danbury, Connecticut. Joys down Main Street comes the band. Oh, ain't it a grand and a glorious noise? All summer long, we boys dreamed about big circus joys. Down Main Street comes the band. Oh, ain't it a grand and a glorious noise? Horses are prancing, knights advancing, helmets gleaming, pennants streaming, Cleopatra's on her throne, that golden hair is all of her own. Horses are prancing, knights advancing, helmets gleaming, pennants streaming, Cleopatra's on her throne, that golden hair is all. 
Last year she waved at me, I think. Can she have died? Can that rot? She is passing, but she sees me not. My dear friends, keep the song in your hearts, and happy 4th of July. I'm Daniel Gundlach.